Good morning, Jeff. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, I've been thinking about uh, a couple of words that, at least in my life, they're key. Uh, the Lord has been operating, um, and I'm finding out that the power of God's coming through meekness, mm-hmm. and the power of God's coming through grace in ways that I might not have expected a few years ago. You know, I see the Lord bringing us as a body <clears throat> to a higher place. And it's easy to say, well, I'm going to a higher place and, you know, I'm going to mount up on wings of eagles and it's going to, you know, be instantaneous. We're kind of a microwave society. Uh, We want things yesterday and we want things easy. And most of all, we don't want it to cost us anything. We don't want it to have to work at it. We don't want to have to do anything to, you know, be a part of what, uh, you know, God offers so freely. And uh, But at least in my life, I wanted to share with you this morning what I believe is part of the critical things in order for uh, us to participate, really participate with heaven and what God's doing. He's taken us to a higher place and He's giving us a greater authority in the relationship. Amen? Amen. Deliverance, we heard this morning, let go of the past. You know, we heard, we heard even a few weeks ago uh, Jeanette came up and demonstrated forgiveness in our body. And that came in, and God was hovering over that. Amen? You know, walking through forgiveness. The world doesn't really want to do that. They have these terms that say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and, you know, do the same thing to him, and, you know, just all kinds of things that are, re- that are reversed from God's heart. Then we had the word doing and acting on the word. Amen? We can't just know about the word. We can't just know that the memories of Scripture, that's all great. That's critical. That needs to happen. But at some point in time, it needs to be a confession of the heart where we're acting on by faith. And so those words have come. Amen? Where, where the words have come, remember watching what you say. Your words have power. Your prayers have power. So I want you to understand the thread of the Lord that He's being brought, that He's bringing into our midst, and He wants us to understand what He's doing in detail and understanding and revelation, wisdom and knowledge. He said those things belong to the sons. Amen? So the Word came. You know, there's a saying out there, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. And that's not true. Words tear down and rip apart. Words hurt. And sometimes it takes a long time to get over things that are said and done. Amen? Amen. Words have power. Our prayers have power. It said the words follow your thoughts. Amen? Amen. We're reminded in James 3-4, we're reminded that great ships are steered by a small rudder. But the tongue is a small member of the body, but it boasts great things. So we're reminded that, you know, the biggest things aren't necessarily the strongest or the ones that have the greatest impact. Amen? Are you with me? Again, your testimony that will stand in that day is being developed in you right now. Are you aware of the 
sequences of God that you're walking through in these days? The testimony that's going to stand before the throne room of God, before all creation, is being developed in you right now. There are some scriptures that I find are really hard to understand. And I struggle and struggle and I, you know, we have the benefit of Google today and, and the internet and all kinds of different things. But there are some scriptures that are just hard for you to understand and get your head around and understand what is the heart of God in saying these things. What does he really mean? Some of those scriptures are found in James chapter 1, 2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, my sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Wait a minute. Trials. We as a body, the bride, has faced enormous trials in these last few years. They've been painful to walk through. And I'm not sure what comes into my mind is wanting to rejoice in the middle of the trials. But His Word is true. Did it get translated wrong? Did it somehow get mixed up in the, in the narrative, in the places? He said, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials. Well, wait a minute. Trials are painful. They hurt. Sometimes they're physical and sometimes they're emotional and sometimes they're both. And sometimes there's a healing that needs to take place and sometimes even the healing is painful. But he said, consider it pure joy. It's not until you start going into the quiet place and saying, Daddy, what did you mean by this? I'm hurting. I'm suffering. I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being attacked. I'm hurting. What did you mean by count it all joy? What he meant was, we have another opportunity to trust him. We have another opportunity to recognize who he is in our life and where we're going and what's happening within our life and within our circumstances and our experiences. Verse 3, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance have its finished work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Can you imagine? Perfect? Wait a minute, I see all the inadequacies and I see all the trials and the hurts and the pains and the scars. But you said, perfect, lacking nothing. By the perseverance of knowing that His hand is upon your life. Of knowing that His eyes and His ears are attentive to your cry. And He hears every single word. He hears... He, his word says that he collects every tear. That's what his word says. Count it all joy that your heavenly Father knows what you're walking through. 
joy when you fall into trials. Some things are hard to understand. Luke 17, 1. He said to his disciples, It's impossible that offenses should not come. Wait a minute. God, I thought when I gave my life to you, I was going to live a glorious life. I was going to live a wonderful life of an overcomer. I was going to mount up on wings of eagles. I was going to be this wonderful, I was going to be rich, and I was going to have revelation. I, was gonna have, I thought I was going to have all these things. You said that it's not possible that offenses won't come. In my Bible, Jesus is saying, you're on this side of the veil. You're living amongst carnal things. Offenses are going to come. Matthew 5.44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we know that we're going to face trials. We know that offenses are going to come. We know that there are going to be things on this side of heaven that really shake us, that really challenge us. We know that offenses are going to come through other people, our adversaries, our enemies. And he says, pray for your enemies. Okay, finally I get a a word that I can do. God, kill them. Right? Destroy them. Give them a spanking that is so significant that they will be taught never to do anything like that again. Is that what Jesus meant when he said pray for your enemies? There's a greater discernment coming upon the body of Christ in the days that we're in. There is a greater understanding of how to walk out the word that he intended you to experience. He didn't mean pray for them with the judgment, with the sword, with accusations, being the witness in the courtroom that agrees with the adversary, the devil. That's not what he meant. How do you find it hard to pray for your enemies? In these past two months, it has been really hard. There have been situations in my life, people want to make examples of me and get me fired and have me suffer in the worst possible ways. And they're pretty vocal about it. God, will you reveal yourself to that person? God, would you create a situation and an encounter that they can see you? Would you bring deliverance? Would you bring hope to them? Would you love upon them, Father? The only way you can... I'm reaching into the heavenly places. And I've been hurt. You said offenses would come, and I'm coming to you, and I'm confessing I'm offended. I'm offended. But I'm going to walk out your word and praying for them so that I can continue to be a son that discerns the word rightly that you are pleased with. 
and that I see the power of God come into this circumstance and they are, they are understanding that there is a God in heaven and they don't have to participate in the perpetual motion of offensive behavior, but they can be healed and that they can walk in a place of maturity, that they can walk in a place of deliverance, that they can walk in a place of change. That's what Jesus meant when He said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We must understand that in the courts of heaven, our enemy is not the people around us. In Ephesians, it says, for, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You see, you're being taken to a higher place to understand how the kingdom of darkness has worked in the past, how it works today. Your understanding by revelation, your understanding by impartation, your understanding by being trained up, even in the Living Word School of Ministry, how to function as a son, how to function out of a conviction, out of a position of love. There's power coming to your life. There's authority coming to your life. We're talking about offenses. We're talking about emotional violations. We're talking about somebody coming along your path and violating who you are, what you're about, what you believe in, what your convictions are, what you're passionate for. Once that happens, you have an immediate decision to make. You can leave it alone and forgive the person immediately praying for them, or you can take the bait. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. We take these scriptures and we expect, when I see the devil with a pitchfork and dressed in a red suit, I'm going to know to run. That's not what he said. He said, offenses will come. And we, we're on the cusp of doing what the Word was when we started this morning. Someone said, it's time to leave the past in the past. It's time where the Lord comes and detaches us from the things that have held us and brings a deliverance that only He can bring. But what is your part? What is your part in it? Because it would be wonderful if our testimony and our life experience could fill the atmosphere with the microwave solutions where we didn't have a part and we didn't have responsibility, but that's not what he's teaching. When we take the bait and we let it fester and we feed our hearts over and over again on the offense, rehearsing the hurt, and even thinking and replaying the event of what happened over and over again, spending time throughout the day thinking about this hurt, thinking about the pain and the suffering, 
thinking about what did I do wrong? What is, why has this happened? And you get surrounded by the thoughts of bitterness. You become cynical, thinking now everything that happened has ulterior motives. Somebody comes up to me and says, I love you. Oh, what's their motive behind that? They're going to ask me for money, right? They're going to ask me for something. They're going to try and get me to do what I don't really want to do. You become cynical. You become second-guessing your motives and intentions rather than trusting in the faithfulness of God. When you swallow the, the bitter places and you, you, aren't, you, you don't let the offenses go, they produce the things in your life that God never intended for you to hold on to and harbor and make a place for them to live. Holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Who would drink poison and expect your enemy to die? Bitterness is, is something that God said, have nothing to do with it. Leave it alone. Forgive immediately. You see that no one fails to... In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, the Word tells us, see to it that no one fails to obtain grace of God and that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble by which you become defiled. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Did you know that offenses that lead to bitterness cripple your ability to enjoy life? It brings depression, exhaustion, animosity, a victim mentality. It steals your peace. It steals the power of God, the working in your life. Self-pity. You become paranoid. It leads you out of the will of God. The devil wants to plant a scandal in your life. A scandal. In Strong's Concordance, the scandal number is 4625. And if you add the numbers up, you get 17. 17 is a prime number. It can't be divided. It can't be taken apart. It can't be dealt with in subcategories. It has to be dealt with in an entire kind of way. It's a prime number. It can't be, you can't separate it. When we're talking about scandals, People try to, to make everybody win and, you know, that's the world that we live in today. It can't be that way. 
it has to be dealt with in its entirety. Scandalon. Scandal. The word scandalon is a, is a bait. It means it's a trap, a snare, a stumbling block of offense. Scandal. The trigger of a trap or a mechanism that closes down on an unsuspecting victim. It stresses the method and the means of entrapment. How someone is caught. The bait stick of a trap. The stick of a trap that springs closed and an animal is caught or touches it. Some offenses are harder to get over than others, wouldn't you say? Right? Somebody, you're driving down the road and this lady didn't even look coming out into the, into the road and she just cut me right off and that was, boy, I'm glad I was awake and, and or we'd have crashed, right? Compare that to murder. Our words have power. We heard about that last week. Some offenses are harder to get over than others. I have a visual here for you. You know what this is? I just read this to you. It's the bait stick of a trap. Scandal on. Scandal. Offense. In order to catch the little mouse, I have to bait the trap with something that he really likes. I kind of like peanut butter, and I think probably mice like peanut butter too, so I bait my traps with peanut butter. It's got to be chunky peanut butter. And I pile it right on there, and I put this little trap over there, and I put the little thing on there, and I set it there, and I walk away. And here comes this little mouse, and he's thinking he's going to get free lunch, right? Scandalon is this little thing right here, this little pan, this little wire that holds this thing that when you come along, he snaps it onto the mouse and it kills him. Jesus said, have nothing. Do you understand the intensity of harboring a grudge, harboring uh, an offense? He wants us to understand that uh, if we. If, if there are, well, let me leave that till later. So somebody asked me, how, Sean, how you doing? How you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm, 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 I'm doing okay. I, I, boy, you know, I'm being blessed, and uh, you know, uh, um, you know, the Lord is good, and you know, there's a discernment coming to the body of Christ that you would know and understand. To know how to use the Word of God to set people free. Okay, I could probably live with this offense, this scandal on thing on my finger for a while. It's kind of nuisance, but I can probably eat with it. I can probably take a shower and probably go to work. It looks kind of funny, but I can hide it. Most people aren't going to see it. Most people aren't going to understand what it's about. I'm still functioning. I'm still talking. I'm still carrying on my life. Right? But I'm caught in a trap. And the trap's beginning to hurt because it's 
forcing the blood out of my little finger in that spot, and it's starting to turn numb. Take it off. About that one. Some offenses hurt worse than others. This is the scandalon. This is the place where you put the bait. This is the little wire that trips it. Operates exactly the same way. You come along, somebody cuts you off, even murder, even, even horrible things in life that create offenses, that create uh, you to participate in. And when Jesus said, you need to pray for the people and you don't. Instead of you're thinking about the offense, you're thinking about the hurt, you're thinking about the pain, you're really wondering when they're going to get theirs, right? You're wondering how can this happen? I'm going to go talk to some people and share my pain. And we talk about it all over the place and we think that's okay, right? We heard last week there are safe places to talk about your pain. And it's probably not the dinner table at work. Probably not the places and meetings and so on. Guess what happened to me today? God has created safe places. And we're beginning to understand some things really, really hurt. This particular trap has teeth on it, on the back side of it. And so if I've got this on my foot, somebody ask me how, how I'm doing. Well, my foot hurts. But, you know, it's okay. I went out to eat today and went to see a movie. And I did, you know, I'm, I'm uh, trying to... I, I went to church this morning and I was praising the Lord. You know? Pretty soon it starts to bleed and it gets all kinds of bad stuff on it. Some traps hurt worse than others. Some offenses really, really hurt. I'm doing this because I want you to know. We're not talking about this, the, you know, we laugh about it. But still, God's Word comes in the day that we're in is that you're set free from the past. That you find out how to deal with offenses. It's like you're being inoculated. It's like you're getting a shot. Shots hurt. When you get a flu shot, what is that? The most effective flu shots happen is they, the, the closer the substance is to the thing that they're trying to prevent, the more effective the flu shot. So God is allowing us to walk through places that are painful and hurt in order that you might be perfect, lacking nothing. That the power of God would come upon your life and teach you how to deal with the offenses in life that the devil intended to create a scandal in your heart that would derail everything that you are in God. 
that would derail you, that would cause you to walk away in the offense and never really deal with it, never really understand what it was intended to produce in your life. So my leg is caught in this. Ask me how I'm doing. Well, this thing hurts. This thing hurts. You don't really need discernment anymore. You don't really need a word from God to know if your brother is hurting anymore. But God says that offense is just as significant as that one. The sin that you walked through to get caught in this is just as significant as this, and they will both destroy your life. They will both find a place in your heart and derail you. Jesus said, those who choose not to deal with the offenses can't go to heaven. Man, God, help me search my heart. Help me search, oh God. This isn't a witch hunt. It isn't uh, dreaming up all the things that it could be or it might be or have the potential to be. That's not it. All you have to do is get real with yourself and God. That person that walks by you in the hall twice a week and you can't make eye contact, and something wells up inside you, the hate and the anger and the rage, you don't need God to tell you where your heart is. You already know. But we're in a season of time where God is bringing deliverance. We're in a season of time where God's Word becomes so personal and so intimate that we can get ourselves out of these things. How do we do that? How do we get ourselves out of the trap? We walked along. The bait was set. I, I, it was real to me. I was offended. It hurt. I've got emotional scars and emotional pain. How do I loose myself? Mm. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive yours. Wow. That's a sobering, that is a sobering message. You mean I have to forgive that person that hurt me physically, emotionally? I have to forgive? I don't know if I can even begin the prayer. And so you start dealing with your heart. And one of the ways you do it is you start confessing the condition of your heart. God, I'm coming to you because I'm hurt and offended. This is what happened. These are the sequences of events that took place. And when that happened, I didn't let it go. Instead, I took it in. And I've thought about it, and I've thought about it, and I've thought about it for months, even years. 
and I still am angry over it. And whenever I see that person, I feel like, wow, I don't want anything to do with them. But Jesus said, forgive them. And if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. There's another story that I won't go into its entirety, but it's in Matthew 18. There was this guy that owned the king 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Does that seem like a lot to you? Ten, a talent is a weight of measure. It's a weight. It's a, like a weight on a scale. Yeah. And 10,000, how much is that? Well, a talent is almost 100 pounds. And so if you'd calculate it out, we're talking about just under 1 million pounds in today's world. Now, it doesn't tell us what he owed the king. Let's assume it was silver. So the going rate of silver right now is about $8 an ounce. There's 16 ounces in a pound, and we've got a million pounds of it. Do you think you could ever pay anything like that back? What's the cost of your salvation? It's priceless. The blood of Jesus is priceless. And this guy came to the king. The king said, it's time to settle all the accounts. I've been the bank of, the, of my nation. Uh, I'm going to settle accounts. He called this guy up. He says, you owe me 10,000 talents. And uh, today's the pay up. The guy said, boy, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have it. In those days, if you didn't have it, then the law said that you could be thrown in prison and your children, and your families, and everything that you had, your possessions sold, your house sold. This is a big deal. This is huge. Billions of dollars this guy owed. And he couldn't pay it. So he's done. You and I, before we were saved, we had no hope of ever going to heaven. Sometimes we think, well, I've been a good person. I've done good things. Jesus says, God says in His Word, if you don't know My Son, there is no salvation. And this guy pleaded before the king, give me more time. Give me more time. I owe you billions of dollars and in time I'll pay it back. How many times do we think by works we can come into the favor of God? By works alone. Works have to be combined with faith in order to produce anything. The king took pity on him, and as the story goes, he forgave him all of the debt. Can you imagine? Billions of dollars this guy was owed, and he forgave it. Wow. The guy goes out and can't, just can't believe what he just experienced. He was headed to prison. His family was headed to prison. He was going to live the rest of his days there. The, the prisons in those days were horrible. They were, they were just awful. Most of the people in the prisons never came out because you died in there, right? The, the cleanliness and the, the disease, on and on and on. This guy was headed to those prisons. And now he's not only not headed to prison, but his debt has been forgiven. And then he goes out and he sees a guy that owes him a hundred denarii, right? And he says, pay me what you owe me. 
And he says, I don't have it. Give me more time. And the guy says, well, then uh, your house is going to be sold. You're going to be thrown into prison because that's the law. And uh, your children are going to be thrown into prison. Your house is going to be sold. Your possessions, I'm going to get my money back one way or another. And the servants of the king heard about it. And he said, I forgave you 10,000 talents, but you wouldn't forgive this little debt. How much, how much do you think is the denarii? A denarii is a day's wage. So basically, he owed the guy 100 days of labor. Day's wage. When he was forgiven billions. The point of this story is Jesus is telling us, God is telling us, you've gotten salvation. There's nothing that can happen to you that even compares to the value of what you have inside of you, of who is living inside of you. And I don't want to marry a bride that is full of bitterness and anger and resentment. I want to I want to marry a bride that's full of love and compassion and the joy and who knows how to handle the sword, knows how to handle authority, knows how to handle uh, places of uh, offenses. Matthew 18, 21, as they begin to close. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? In other words, something awful happened. Let's say it was a murder. How many times am I going to forgive him? Okay, I've done this one thing, but this time I've forgiven my brother. I've lived with this guy. He's a wicked person. You know, forgiven him. But now, God, he's, he's, he's murdered somebody. Surely... You wouldn't have me forgive that. And Jesus said to him, how many times? Seven? Well, I've forgiven this guy like 14 over the years I've had a relationship with him. So it's probably, you know, I've given him a little grace. Required seven, 14, 21, who knows? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, there isn't a a number where you can say like a little checkbox of how many times you're supposed to forgive. Because if you start harboring unforgiveness, you start harboring offenses, then it produces something in your life that is contrary to the nature of God. That's why Jesus said, have no part of it. That's why Jesus said, every time something comes into your heart that you're offended, pray for the person. Let it go. We heard, about, we heard about, Jeanette was speaking about forgiveness. Power of your words. And as I close, the New, Te- the, the New Living Translation has James 1, uh, 2 through 8. And uh, uh, really hits my heart. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, talking about offenses, Let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when the endurance has fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Remember the inoculation. Remember the the flu shot that you got. 
In some cases, it's live viruses. Now, maybe not all the time because of technology today, but sometimes they take a live virus that's been weakened. God isn't saying you have to deal with the full power and the wrath of the devil. He's saying, I'm going to inoculate you by giving you trials and things in your life that you would know and understand and develop a behavior and develop a pattern and develop a method that lines up with my words so that you would see how it works. So when the worst comes, you already know how to deal with it. You're being inoculated. Count it all joy that the things that are coming upon the earth are far worse than the things that you've seen so far, but not for you. Because you're being trained to know how to walk through it. You're being trained to know how to make the decisions according to His Word, according to His promises. That's the reason I can say you're going to a higher place. You're going to a place of greater authority. You're going to a place of greater discernment to know how to take who you are in Christ and the person that's walking around that's obvious to everybody that's bitter and angry and resentful and you speak a word of life. And you speak a word of deliverance and you show Him the way. Verse 5, If you need wisdom and you want to know what God wants for you to do, Ask Him, and He will gladly tell you, for He will not resent your asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that you really expect Him to answer, for a doubtful mind is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for they can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. Okay, that scripture talked about who I was in the past. But not the future. Because you're determining to follow God. You're determined that your life is going to glorify God. You're determined that the scripture that is found in Revelation... And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony that He delivered you from every trap. He delivered you from every offense. So that when Jesus said uh, in His word, this is how you pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, there's a passion in God's heart. He really wants us to get this. He really wants us to be able to master how to handle the offenses, how to handle the pain, how to handle the suffering, how to, how to, how to walk in His Word and the power of it. He really wants us to experience firsthand a deliverance that is just a short ways away. Passover is just a few weeks away now. Passover is all about God doing something for the people that the people couldn't do on their own. 
It's about taking you from one land and positioning you in another, in a stronger place, in a more significant place. Greater abilities, greater relationship, greater understanding. The things of the past that held you in bondage in the places of Egypt are gone. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of God. After today, you will no longer see your enemies. In the sense of this trap. But you will see opportunities for overcoming all the days of your life. Until you're made perfect. You're being made perfect. You're being made you're being made in his you're being made to be just like him you're being made i wrote down here the power of god is coming to your life through meekness and grace you're learning how to walk in meekness you're learning how to walk under authority you're learning how to walk in the power of his word yes there's pain and suffering involved in it But the joy of the Lord is knowing what's to come. He's not a man that He would lie. He's God who loves you and intends you to be an overcomer all the days of your life. So He's bringing the practical and the spiritual and the amazing and the hands-on, this is how you do it. He's making known to you how to walk as an overcomer. How to walk as a person of victory. Amen? Amen? Amen.